Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. I want to start a series of messages today that I'm simply calling Enforcing Justice. Um, We're going to be talking uh, about the foundations of faith. Um, We're we're going to spend a good part of today in the book of Genesis. In the book of Genesis, we find one-third of human history. And the foundation for redemption is found in the book of Genesis. Now, in 2 Peter chapter 3, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, the amount of grace, the amount of peace, the amount of victory that you're going to have is directly related to the amount of knowledge that you have. Right? Faith is largely dependent on knowledge. You cannot believe for what you do not know. You know, I've had people say, well, you just talk on faith too much. Well, first of all, you can't be saved without faith, right? You can't be saved without it. Secondly, Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You can't please God without faith. You can't receive from God without faith, right? And the Bible says the just shall live by faith, all right? And Jesus said when he comes back, he said, will the Son of Man even find faith in the earth? So that says two things. When Jesus comes back, he's looking for faith. And he said, when I come back, I don't even know if we'll find any. He said, it's going to be rare for people in the last days to be people of faith. So I want to go to Hebrews chapter 11. Some people call this uh, God's heroes of faith. And I want to read just a few verses, starting with the 28th verse. By faith, he, that's Moses, kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they'd been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, of Samson, of Jephthah, of David, of Samuel, and of the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, and stopped the mouth of lions. So we're going to talk about enforcing justice, but I want to lay a foundation today, right? Much of what you see in the Old Testament, not all, but much of what you see in enforcing justice in the Old Testament was natural, in the natural realm. But it's true in the natural realm, and it's true in the spiritual realm. And in the New Testament, we're enforcing justice in the spiritual realm, right? Again, the book of Genesis, a third of human history, the foundation for faith, the foundation of redemption. So we're going to go to Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to start at the beginning. Then God said... Let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth 
and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. So man and woman were created in God's image and God's likeness. And by the way, that's one of the things about abortion. See, that that person is created in God's image and God's likeness. And the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that God is the father of spirits. God has placed a living spiritual being on the inside of that natural human being that's being formed, right? Now, when God created humanity, he gave them authority and he gave them dominion. Adam and Eve were God's under rulers in this world. In Psalms 8, it says, what is man that you're mindful of him, the son of man that you visit him? You made him a little lower than the angels, Um, the actual Hebrew there, the word angels, is the word Elohim. It's the word God, right? When they were translating it, they thought, ah, we don't want anybody to think too highly of himself. So let's just put angels in there instead of God. But the, the original Hebrew says, you made him a little lower than God. You crowned him with glory and honor. You crowned him with glory and honor. You made him to have dominion over all the works of your hand. Over what? Over all the works of your hands. And you put all things under his feet. Man was created, mankind was created to have dominion over everything God created on this world, right? Everything was under his feet. In a real way, man is God's under ruler. In Psalms 115, it says, The heavens, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. So God places Adam and Eve on this earth in this beautiful garden of abundance. In Genesis 2.15, the Lord took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to tend, to guard, and to keep it. To tend, to guard, and to keep it. Now, who is he guarding it from? He's guarding it from Satan. Now, man and woman, they're in this beautiful paradise. God comes down. Man and God have fellowship every day. They're walking. They're talking. There's fellowship. Right? They're in this paradise until the devil shows up. And when he shows up, sin, the curse, The law of sin and death, famine, sickness, disease, pestilence, pain, everything comes in. Now, it's interesting that in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 10, the devil is thrown into the lake of fire where the beast and the false prophet are, and he's tormented day and night forever and ever. And then listen, this is what happens. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. That's a new atmosphere and a new earth. For the first heaven atmosphere and the first earth had passed away and there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. 
He'll do well with them. And they shall be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. It's like they're going right back to the garden. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. And there shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Sin, sickness, death, war, disease, every evil thing you can think of came into this world when Satan came into this world. And as soon as he's gone, it's gone. As soon as he's gone, it is gone. Now, a lot of Christians, well, let me say this. To be absent from the body is to be, if if your body wears out, you die. Right now, you're a Christian. The real you is going to step out of that body, and you're going to go and be in the presence of the Lord. We say you're going to heaven. Theologians, listen, call it the temporary heaven. Because it's not where you're going to go for a long time. It's just temporary. See, a lot of Christians have the idea, I'm going to die, and I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to be on this cloud. I'm going to wear a sheet. I'm going to eat grapes. I'm going to play a harp. That's what people think heaven's like. Oh, my goodness, no, 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 no. God takes this earth and recreates this earth. And then God's city that is in heaven, what we call heaven right now, comes down and God comes with it. You see, when, when, when I move, I take a suitcase. When God moves, he takes a city. 1,500 miles square. And he comes and you are going to live forever on a recreated earth, right? That is not cursed, right? where there's no pain, There's no sorrow. There's no death. There's no crying. There's no tears. Because all those former things have passed away. So Adam and Eve listened to Satan, and they bowed their knee to Satan. Now, when this happens, literally, Satan usurps their authority or takes their position. In, In a real way, God did not create the devil. He created a cherub angel called Lucifer, light bearer. But we, humanity, created the devil. You say, how did we do that? Well, we gave him our authority. Not that we gave him our authority. He's not operating on any authority except the authority that God gave to Adam and Eve. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 4, in verse 4, It says, whose mind's the God of this age. Satan is called God, small g, of this age or this world. In John 14, in verse 30, Jesus said, I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. You know, he calls Satan the ruler of this world. Now, God did not give him that position. Adam and Eve gave him that position. 1 John 5, 19. We know positively that we're of God. And the whole world around us is under the power or the influence of the evil one. The whole world around us is under the power of the evil one. Job said it like this. He says, he has stripped me of my crown. And he has, excuse me, he has stripped me of my glory and taken the crown from my head. So 
Man bows his knee to Satan and comes under Satan's dominion. And Satan takes the dominion that God gave to man. In Luke chapter 4, Satan takes Jesus and shows him all of the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Verse 6, the devil said to Jesus, All this authority I will give you and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomsoever I wish. Now, who gave Satan the authority and the glory of the kingdoms of this world. He said, it's been delivered to me. Now, if he's lying, there's no temptation. Somebody delivered. Who did did that? God's man, Adam, God's prince, Adam and Eve. They sinned. They came under Satan's dominion, and he took their glory. They delivered it to him. And then Satan says, you know, and I can give it to whomsoever I wish. Therefore, if you'll worship me, all will be yours. So God created an angel called Lucifer. But we created the devil when we gave him our authority and our dominion. The Satan that we have today, man created. Now, the Bible says this in Romans 5 and verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, thus Death spread to all men because all sin. When God created Adam and Eve, he put them in the garden. They are God's under rulers. But more than that, they are representatives. Adam and Eve represent humanity in everything that they're doing. Uh, How many of you know that in Lansing and Washington, there have been some laws that maybe you didn't like passed? But you know what? Your representative voted for them or or was unable to block them. And as a result, they became law. Well, Adam and Eve, Adam was your representative. So the Bible says, just as through one man, sin entered the world. Now, in, in the book of Romans, sin, sinned, is mentioned 49 times. But 47 times, it's a noun. And only twice it's a verb. So only twice is it talking about something you did. All the other times it's talking about something somebody else did. It's talking about what Adam did. Adam and Eve, as our representatives, got us into a lots of trouble. Thus death spread to all men. Why? Because our representative who represented us sinned. And got us all into trouble and sickness and disease and famine and war and pestilence and prejudice and death. All of them came into the world. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. Now, there are really, the the, the whole Bible is written about two people. Both of them. It's the story of two people. Both of them have the same name, and the name is Adam. The first Adam lived in a garden and was married to a woman named Eve. He and Eve got us in a lot of trouble. The Bible goes on and says, the last Adam, oh, 
there's two Adams. One lived in a garden, but God sent another Adam. He's not just the second Adam, he's the last Adam. He is the last representative man. The first Adam did some stuff that got us all in trouble. So God sent another Adam. He's a life-giving spirit. Verse 47 says, the first man, the first Adam, was of the earth, made of dust. The second man, the second Adam, he is the Lord from heaven. So the second Adam is Jesus. He is the second representative man. The first Adam represented us and got us in trouble. So God said, I need to send another representative to get you out of trouble. Jesus said this in John 12. He said, if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. He, he, this he said, signifying by what death he would die. Now, for years, I have heard people say, we need to praise Jesus. We need to lift him up because when he's lifted up and we praise him, he'll draw all men unto himself. That is not what this is saying. This is saying his being lifted up is about what type of death he would die. See, when he died, he was the last Adam. He represented you. And he took all men into himself. In God's eyes, it wasn't just Jesus on that cross. You were on that cross. Jesus didn't just die. You died. Jesus wasn't just buried. You were buried. Jesus wasn't just raised. You were raised together. And then the Bible says you've been lifted up and you're seated together with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So the last Adam came and represented you. And when the last Adam came to represent you, he came to undo what the first Adam did. 2 Corinthians 5.14, for the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. So in God's justice system, one Adam got us all into trouble. But just like one Adam got us all into trouble, one Adam can represent us all and get us out of trouble. And that's what Jesus did. So the Bible refers to Satan in Ephesians 2.2 as the prince of the power of the air. So literally what happened when man sinned, it was like God had given man dominion. He had given him authority and glory in this earth. But God had leased this planet to man. But what happened is man subleased. Right? He, that authority that man had was transferred over to Satan. And although God was the owner, if I own a house and I rent that house to you, do you know I cannot even go inside without your permission? Well, that's what Satan did. He got Adam and Eve to sublease. And literally, God is on the outside looking in. Now, God, God has a plan. And in Genesis 3, 15, it's God said, as soon as Adam and Eve sinned, he said, I'm declaring war between you, Satan, and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will wound your head and you'll wound his heel. Another translation says, I will make you and the woman enemies to each other. Your descendants and her descendants will be enemies. 
and one of her descendants will crush your head and you'll bite his heel. One of your descendants, that's the last Adam. He is going to crush your head. Crushing your head is literally, it's a euphemism that was used in the ancient world when a king went into a, a opposing king's territory and conquered the territory. He would go to the king and strike him and knock him down. And he would take his foot and come over his head and come down strong on his head. And it's saying, I have taken your authority. I've taken your dominion. I have taken your glory. Well, that's what the God said was going to happen. So man is under the dominion and the authority of Adam. Excuse, excuse me, of, of Satan. Because he has taken Adam's position. Right? Adam and Eve fell and God lost his representative in the earth. And to a certain extent, he's like an owner who has rented a property out, and he's looking for another way in. And God is looking to make a covenant with a man. Now, Satan doesn't understand all this. In 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 8, it says, which none of the rulers of this age knew. The rulers of this age, Satan, principalities, powers, dominion, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places, which none of the rulers of this age known. For had they known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. They did not understand the two-Adam principle and that God had sent a second representative into the earth. In 2 Samuel 14, there is a beautiful verse that describes what God is doing. It says, yet God does not take away a life, but he devises means so that his banished ones are not expelled from him. So God is looking on the outside. He's the owner, but he's looking for a way in. And he finds a man by the name of Abram. In Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3, uh, these are the foundation of redemption. They, with, without understanding these three verses, you do not understand redemption, and you do not understand what God is doing in the earth today. Right? Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land I'll show you. He says, I will make you a great nation. Now, that nation is the nation of Israel. But it's interesting, the word great there is premier, above all others. Right? When Jesus returns, he is going to rule and reign from Jerusalem. And Israel, not China, not the United States, not Russia, not Japan, no other nation is going to be the premier nation on the face of the earth. Israel will be the premier nation on the face of the earth. Right? He said, I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless you. He said, I'll make your name great. Um, it was right around the year 2000 when Time, Newsweek, and another major magazine all had Abraham's picture on the cover of their magazine the same month. Now, when you've been dead for 4,000 years and people put your picture on the cover of their magazine, it's because your name's great. God said, I will make your name great. He said, you will be a blessing. And then we find God's foreign policy. Now, this was God's foreign policy then, and this is God's foreign policy today. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And then there is a messianic prophecy. And in you, all the families of the earth 
will be blessed. He's saying that seed of the woman is going to come through the descendants of Abram. Right? So the promise of the second, or the, the, the second, the last Adam, the seed of the woman, right? But in the meantime, Satan is holding humanity hostage. There's sin, there's poverty, there's disease, there's painful toil, the law of sin and death. And God goes to Abraham and he's made him a promise that through his descendants, he's going to bless all of the earth. And then Abraham said to him, this is Genesis 15. He says, how am I going to know? How am I going to know for sure that you're going to do what you said? And God said to him, he said, I, I want you to take some animals. He says, and I want you to cut them in half. Right? This is Genesis 15, verse 8. The Lord said, how shall I know that? He, he said to the Lord, Abram, how shall I know and hear it? And he said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought them to him, and he cut them in two pieces down the middle and placed each piece opposite the other, but he didn't cut the birds. Now, most of us, we hear this, ooh, look at here, a heifer, goat. I'm thinking barbecued goat. You know, you're thinking steaks, right? But when God said this to Abraham, that is not at all what entered his mind. What entered his mind was covenant. God's going to make a covenant relationship with Abram. And so he cuts those pieces in half and he puts them on altars, right? Now, when he did that, there's blood everywhere, right? And the Bible says as the sun is setting that Abraham falls asleep. This would be like, you, you, you just won the biggest sweepstakes ever. You just won $5 billion. And they're coming to your house at 10 o'clock, and at 9.30, you fall asleep. I mean, this is like, you don't fall asleep. This is a supernatural sleep. And it came to pass. When the sun went down, and it was dark, that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between the pieces. And the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham saying to your descendants, I will give this land. Now, by the way, where he's standing is Hebron. It's the capital of Judah, but today it's considered the occupied territory. This is part of the territory that really more than anyone, the United States forced Israel to give to the Palestinians. And this is where he's standing when God says to him, to your descendants, I will give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river phrase, and then talk some more about what's going on. But the, the thing that we need to see is as Abraham is sleeping and the sun's going down, the altars are there, the animals are there, and a flaming torch in a burning furnace show up, and the Bible says they walk between the pieces. Now, the custom was this, that when you're making a, a covenant with someone, you would split the animals, and then you would walk together through the pieces. Right? Now, as you do, there's blood everywhere. You're, you're, your feet are going to be covered in blood. And as you're covered in blood and you're walking, you're making promises to each other. Right? So a smoking furnace and a burning torch are walking through, and they're making promises to each other. But now notice, that day the Lord made a covenant with whom? 
with Abram. With Abraham. So one of these is Abraham's representative. Now, it tells us very clearly in the New Testament some more about this in Galatians 3, 16. Now, it says, now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. So as they're going through here, they're making promises. And those promises are to Abraham and his seed. He does not say and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to your seed, who is Christ. So literally, that flaming torch is Jesus. He's representing Abraham, and the promises are to Abraham and his seed. Now, those promises that God made, he's keeping them. He's keeping all of them, all right? Now, it's the promises to Abraham and his seed. Galatians 3.29, if you be Christ, I mean you are, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So the promise that was made, you're the heir. You're the heir of the promises. Now, here's the other thing. Most of us don't have a clue what the promises are. Right? We don't know. But we're heirs, but we don't know what they are. Right? So in the coming weeks, we're going to be talking about it. The Bible tells us that this covenant that we have now, it's a better covenant established on better promises. Right? So God confirms that covenant through an oath, and we're going to talk about that next week. And then Abraham, by the way, has to prove his part of the covenant. He has to prove that he is worthy to be in covenant with God. So that's why it says in Genesis chapter 22 that God tested him. He tested him to see if he was hold up his part of the covenant. And uh, we're going to get into that next week. We're going to get into God's, literally the Bible says God swears about this covenant. Right? And we're going to get into what are the promises of the covenant, right? and how do you receive the promises of the covenant. All right, so I went a little long. That's all right? Bow your heads for just a minute. Now, I went to church for 20 years and did not understand Christianity. I thought Christianity was you do this, and you do this, and you do this, and you don't do this, and you don't do this, and you don't do that. But the Bible says in Romans 3.20 that no one has ever been made right with God by obeying the law, by not doing and doing. No one's ever been made right with God, right? Because salvation is by faith. It's by faith. So... What the Bible tells us is this, is that God saw your condition and my condition, and he sent a representative. He sent the last Adam. And he went to the cross, and he died for you and for me. And in God's justice system, when Jesus was on the cross, you were on the cross. And he died for you. But you need to receive what he did for you. That's why the Bible says this, It says in John chapter 1, to as many as receive him, 
That's the last Adam, that's Jesus. To them, he gives the right to be the children of God. To those who say, I believe that you sent Jesus, that he died in my place as my representative, and he paid for my sins. And I receive him and give him my heart and my life. That's what it is to be born again. Jesus said, you must be born again. So if you're here today, you're online, and you say, I, I, I believe in God, but I don't know that I'm right with God. I, I don't know for sure I'm on my way to heaven. The Bible says this. Listen carefully. It says, we've written these things to you that you may know that you have everlasting life. See, we're not supposed to die and find out if we make it to heaven. We're supposed to know we're forgiven, right with God, and on our way to heaven. So the Bible says that whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So I'm going to pray a prayer with you right now. And if you will pray this prayer from your heart, if you're not right with God, you're away from God, you pray this prayer. When we say amen, you're going to be right with God. Whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. We're going to call on his name the way the Bible shows us to. So I'm going to ask everybody, please bow your head. I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer out loud to make these words your own. Just say, oh God. I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. Victorious over death, sin, and the devil. And I give Jesus all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. I turn my back on my old life. I'm not living for myself any longer. I'm living for Jesus. He's my King. He's my Lord. I thank you. You've heard my prayer. My past is gone. And I'm a part of your kingdom today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day, and we will see you again soon.